Welcome one and all to episode 187 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast, the finale of the 2023 NFL Draft Prep. We will have the wrap-up Thursday, Friday, we'll we'll figure it out what day. Maybe it depends on how sober we are on, on Thursday <laughs> night. Actually, it might be better if we're not. Uh, but yeah, I mean, we're here, we've got the guaranteed most accurate mock draft of the season coming out um and it's gonna be fun man i mean we're excited this is you know our our one mock draft a year i know we at different times put out other mocks but this is the one that counts and this is the one you know we know we're gonna get wrong but it's still fun to do (laughs) i mean we've we've done like partial mocks i think we did one practice one but uh, this is the one that counts and the one we're going into. <clears throat> and we were like, Seth, what were we like? One pick away from publishing. And then Aaron Rodgers got traded to the Jets today. So yeah, uh, that so. Sh- sh- just shows you this is guaranteed to be 100% accurate at least until like minutes after we record. So, right. um, and we're recording on a Monday night. So hopefully you'll, you'll hear this on Tuesday. And it'll still be like twenty five percent correct. And you know we're looking at it. You know I told Justin we'll talk about some of these picks as we go. We're gonna we're gonna blow through it tonight. Uh, we'll talk about some of the more intriguing rumors and fits. It'll especially be at the top of the of the draft. Um, but I wanted to uh, you know kick us off and and. We have the Carolina Panthers on the clock, and I guess they're drafting Bryce Young, right? I'm such a skeptic that I'm still not 100% sold on this. I still think they are they might be playing games. It's hard to say that now, but I just keep thinking back to 2018 where it just seemed like a given at, at any point that Cleveland was going to – did I say 2018? Yeah. Cleveland was going to draft Sam Darnold at one point. Then they were going to draft Josh Allen. And then we didn't know till the morning of, or even maybe the afternoon, that that they were going to draft Baker Mayfield. So I'm still not – I'm fine with you making this pick. Seth was picking mostly the the uh, odd numbers, and I was picking mostly evens. We varied a little bit at some points for, for different reasons. But um, – Seth went chalk on this, went with Bryce Young, and I guess that's that's the pick. So, I mean, if you're betting on this in Vegas, that's the pick, but and I it's still not feel like it. you it's... could be shocked. I mean, yeah, it's not worth it to put any money on it, right? No, because, I mean, honestly, it's worth it to take a chance on, on somebody else. To fade else. it, yeah. Because at this point, I mean, we're talking, and I use FanDuel, uh, not a not a sponsor, but I I use FanDuel and they should be. I know, right? As much money as I give them every <laughs> every day. Uh, also, speaking of sponsors, it's a good thing to note that if you're a Patreon or if you're on Patreon, a patron of our show, you've already seen this mock because I posted it on Patreon for both the elite and generational tiers, just two dollars a month. And you get every single bonus episode. And for $4 a month, you'll get all of the additional content, which includes articles and rankings and things like that. So just something to keep in mind. And uh, you alluded to it. We'll do kind of a reaction show Thursday or Friday to the first round. And that's going to be on Patreon. Yep. So and, and back so to your like, pick. Like we were saying, Bryce Young, minus 2400 So you'd have to bet $2,400 to win 100 bucks. <laughs> like if if at this point you can get in and get TJ Stroud at plus fifteen hundred, and just put ten bucks on it to win one hundred and fifty bucks, I mean, like if you got ten bucks lying around and it hits, it do, you know it's great. If it doesn't, it's ten bucks. Like it is what it is. Um, but you know, there's really no reason to bet on on Bryce Young being the number one pick because it's just not. I mean, unless you have twenty four hundred dollars to win a hundred bucks, and you're super confident it's happening, it's just not. It's not worth it. What was the game recently where somebody did that at halftime? Like, put all this money in on a really like 
seemingly safe bet at halftime, and they end up blowing it. I, I think it was a playoff game, an NFL playoff game. I could be remembering that it wrong. Was the, it was the Chargers-Jaguars game. Right, right. So somebody, some millionaire at halftime goes big on the Chargers, and, of course, they proceed to blow it in the second half. And he was playing what was essentially a very safe bet like this one, and it blew up on his face. Um, I'm sure, <clears throat> well, I'm relatively sure that person had the money to to lose. Um, but like Seth said, this is a, a silly bet. Don't even bother with it. If you're going to bet anything, go ahead and, and pick one of the underdogs because you can just bet a few bucks and come out on top. Um, number two, the Texans. So let me just say this. I think the Texans would love to draft Bryce Young. But, and so if Carolina drafts on the very off chance, I guess at this point, that if Carolina drafts uh, Stroud at number one, the Texans are going to take Bryce Young. But uh, I think if it goes chalk, I hated this pick, Seth. I had to make this pick and I hated it. I went with Tyree Wilson. I think it's... It it goes against everything I would do, but we were trying to be predictive. So based on the odds, it seems like the Texans are are giving signals that they will walk away from quarterback here. And um, even maybe to the point where they're tanking toward uh, next year. And we'll get back to that with their next pick. But why not take Will Anderson here? It doesn't seem like they want to, or it maybe they do. Uh, Tony Pauline had a tweet that said, "Oh, they but they really love uh, Tyree Wilson, but they're afraid of his foot, so maybe they'll take Will Anderson." He basically covered like four scenarios the Texans can do. So I'm just giving them uh, Tyree Wilson here, the the defensive end from uh, Texas Tech. I think Demeco Ryan's just likes the big defensive end, kind of like what he had in uh, San Francisco with Bosa. It's interesting because you have um, Will Levis as the the favorite at <clears throat> minus one forty, but are we so? Are we assuming that means that they're trading that pick? I think they would like to, but it depends on who because who who is uh, going to be in the market for trading up? You've got Indianapolis and maybe Tennessee, two teams within the. Their division, I, I find it hard to believe that they will make that trade within division for one of their division rivals to get a quarterback of their liking. And I don't know. I, I, I think the Levis thing is just, uh, I think it's a, a lot of the media overcorrection over Josh Allen. And I'm not quite sure. I, I mean, I'm I feel pretty sure. And we're going to reflect that in this draft that Levis is going to go earlier than we would take him. But also, I just don't really buy that. I'm not in on the Vegas odds of Levis going number two overall. I don't buy that. Number three, we have our first trade. I went back and forth, and I can tell you from what I'm hearing, and you know, it really means nothing in the scheme of things, but... What I've heard is that uh, the Cardinals will be trading this pick. I think that's a, you know, the worst kept secret in the NFL. But they're going to be trading this pick, and um, the two teams right now that are in on it are are the the Titans and the and the Raiders. And so I uh, I took the Raiders in this scenario, trying to be a little bit different than what the chalk is out there of the Titans. Well, Peter King had the Titans trading up to this pick. The Raiders say they're out on quarterbacks because they've tried to trade up unsuccessfully. But to me, that means they're not out. They're just trying to make it seem like they're out. Do you agree? Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. I think I think it's going to come down to the Raiders or the or the Titans on this one. Um, and so I, you know, again, I think. One of them moves up. Who is it going to be? We'll see. Um, but in this case, we have uh, the Raiders moving up to take C.J. Stroud at three. Do you like the fit with uh, McDaniels? 
I mean, is it going to be there that much longer? <laughs> I don't know. I every, It seems everybody that, that hires him goes to great lengths. Uh, and for Stroud's sake, you would hope so, because you would want con- some continuity. I, I actually like the fit of Stroud with the Raiders because he is so stoic and that I just, I like, there's, I can't envision this guy getting into trouble in Vegas. He's so businesslike. Um, he's, we've talked about it a million times. He's not the highest upside quarterback, but he might be the lowest downside quarterback. And, um, I just think this kid is, I don't buy all the S2 testing stuff. I I feel like um, there's been a lot of smoke around this. I think some team wants CJ Stroud and they might be the ones putting out all the negative uh, info on him so that they can get him uh, so they can move up to get him. I really believe that I, you know, I, I still think there's even an off chance he goes number one, but, uh, I agree with you here, and Peter King did too. Interestingly enough, it was just a different team. He had the, uh, like I said, he had the Titans trading up. Indy is fourth, and um, you know I think the Texans, among other teams, are probably trying to bait Indy to trade up too. And we have them taking Will Levis here, and that just seems like a natural fit because of the Chris Ballard uh, kind of. He's he's a uh, Ken Dorsey disciple. Levis seems like the he's the big arm, good athlete. In Indy needs a quarterback. I don't know that this seems like the most natural fit for what they like as a scouting organization. That moves us to Seattle, and they uh, are being tied really heavily to Jalen Carter. Um, but so I think- somebody, uh, I think it might've been, uh, Ben Albright said that that sounds like a team that's trying to create, you know, trying to create the illusion that they really want this guy to have somebody trade up. Are you buying that? I mean, maybe it could make sense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's why I was curious, you know, you look at it, you, you think about all of that and and then you go, but in this scenario, Will Anderson's still on the board and while Jalen Carter, you know, might have some juice, do you really want to uh do you really want to risk his you know the the uh, Bob McGinn thing was kind of crazy, was it not? Well, I, you know, I I think people treat the Bob McGinn thing like it's the Bible, and it's it's uh, <clears throat> it's it's just a reporter with sources, right? And he he hasn't been as accurate recently as he had been maybe in the past, but um, the the McGinn reports totally trashed Jalen Carter from a character standpoint. Does he love football and all this stuff? But then it ends with the caveat that all these people say, oh, he's the best player in the draft. Well, you all who who listen to this show, you know that I'm like, everybody that says that never gives an example or, or a good case for why he's the best player in the draft. So um, I kind of agree with Albright in that this is is some kind of smoke uh Seattle knows that if uh there there are teams that really love this guy and really believe that Jalen Carr is the best player in the draft this might be the place for them to trade up I don't think it's going to happen and I agree with your pick on Anderson just based on look at what Seattle likes from pass rushers they love sparky guys they love um you remember uh, they took Bruce Irvin in the first round when People were saying he was a day two guy. Uh, Will Anderson, I feel like uh, Seattle probably will look at this guy. John Schneider and Pete Carroll are going to probably think the best player in the draft fell into their lap at five and not look back. Number six, you've got an interesting trade. Yeah, we've got Detroit sitting here at six. 
But here is where, now remember, in our scenario, Arizona traded back with the Raiders to seven. And the rumor today, the big rumor, we're taping on a Monday, the big rumor was that Arizona is uh, interested in Paris Johnson Jr. from Ohio State. So is Pittsburgh. That's another big rumor. Pittsburgh's trading up here from, what, 17 to 6 with Detroit. And they are jumping in front of Arizona. And they are taking the offensive tackle, Paris Johnson Jr. Pittsburgh, who, as a Browns fan, one of my most hated rivals, but a team that does like Ohio State prospects, Ohio State players, and uh, jumps on this. They like Paris Johnson. I like the fit with this team, although I don't like the, t the team as a fan. But um, we've seen Ohio State guys be successful there. They know Paris Johnson's a good athlete, big kid, hard worker, all those things. Pittsburgh jumps in front of your Arizona Cardinals, Seth, and takes the guy you thought you could get when you made that trade back. Sorry. I think the Cardinals would be okay because they're now sitting at seven. Um, I think they do like Paris Johnson, but they allegedly like Christian Gonzalez as well, and they take the top corner on the board, which they desperately need when you think about the fact that, you know, look at what Jonathan Gannon did with Darius Slay and James Bradbury and how much, you know, he was able to to kind of rejuvenate their careers this year in Philly. Um, I think both guys were pretty good before that, though. They were, but, I mean, <laughs> Slay, Slay had, you know, fallen off just a touch. Um, Bradbury had kind of, I mean, he was released. Yeah. He well, was... he's making a lot of money, though. Let me ask you this, though. One of my observations of other draft Knicks is there seems to be kind of like this hipster take that Christian Gonzalez is like, like he doesn't have the type of play style that some coaches would like or that he's too grabby or that he doesn't tackle. I, you know, I've heard that from guys that I respect a lot. But to me, it's a bit of a hipster take because – I think he's a good tackler, especially when he goes low. He's a big guy, so he, when he makes those hits, he's, it seems to be there's a calculation of you know, his approach to making those tackles. And I think he has good ball skills. And his, uh, the athleticism is without question. The size is without question. What's, what's, what is the hang-up about Gonzalez? Do you think it was just kind of, I mean, I know we don't have the same breakout age situation with with uh, corners, but like, do you think it's just because he was buried at Colorado for so long and before he got to Oregon to kind of. Well, when he was at Colorado, he was easy to avoid, I think, because you don't have a roster full of talented guys, right? So if you've got this one corner, and you're doing your, you know, your college scouting. You're the opposing coach. You're like, stay away from this one guy. He's like, he's really good compared to the rest of the roster. And then you go to Oregon, you've got more of a balanced roster, and you can't necessarily do that. So um, I think that's part of it. I, I mean, I think there is, with every cornerback prospect, there always seems to be a question about tackling and willingness to tackle. And especially when the guys get into their draft year, they might be making some business decisions. But to me, the criticism of this kid is kind of un... Uh, I don't want to say uncalled for, but like it's it's over it's a little over the top. Like I've seen people say he's not... Like he doesn't play the style that certain defensive coordinators want or that he can't tackle at all. And I just... I don't agree with that. I think that it's uh, kind of selective in the approach. I think, I think that he's, I think the Cardinals, like you said, if they want Paris Johnson and they don't get him, and, and then uh, Christian Gonzalez falls to them, I think they'd be happy. Yeah, I think they will be as well. So, you know, it's just one of those situations. It'll be interesting to see how, how people, cause I think people are on such a crazy high about uh, Devin Weatherspoon right now. Right. Which brings us to pick eight, which is Atlanta. 
And one, it's this was a tough one because Peter King actually nailed Atlanta's last couple picks. It was uh, Drake London last year, and then Kyle Pitts the year before. But I don't think those were particularly hard to nail because I think most people nailed those picks. He has them taking Bijan Robinson. I don't buy that. Tyler Algier had a thousand yard season for Atlanta last year. Atlanta st- seems to be riding with Desmond Ritter. Uh, I've got them taking Witherspoon here. I think this this is the pick, and uh, this is uh, maybe unconventional to other mocks, but I think uh, they want a corner. They they uh, Atlanta can use a corner. They've dedicated, as Peter King illustrated. Two top 10 picks to the offense last two years. Time to balance it with some defense. Witherspoon, not necessarily a guy I think is a top 10 prospect, but makes sense for what they need. From there, we head to Chicago and the Jalen Carter fall stops. It seems like this is where most people have him going either 9 or 10, right? Um, honestly, I think most people have him going five now. <laughs> so yeah, if he, if they haven't fallen past five, I think this is about where that fall stops. And we've kind of been saying that since the whole thing with the, at the combine when he had to leave and come back. Um, bears, if you recall, which I'm I'm saying not you, Seth, but our listeners, the Bears had the number one pick before trading out of that spot. People were mocking Jalen Carter to them at number one. So this makes sense. Yeah, and, and wouldn't that be like considered just a complete home run if they're able to Absolutely. The Brian Poles will get a parade down Michigan Avenue if this happens. I, I mean, I really think that. I think the national draft media had Bears fans convinced that this was the best player in the draft. So if they drop back to nine and still get Jalen Carter, despite all the off the field stuff, which you and I have talked about, like he didn't cause the accident. He, he turned himself in. He did a lot of things, you know, by the book. I don't think that's you and I, for us, that's never been our concern. Right. It's all been about position value and stamina and things like that. So I think Bears fans would be completely content to get him at nine. That takes us to 10 and the run on Georgia defenders continues for you. Yeah, well, Philly has Hassan Reddick. They gave him a big contract last year. And if I'm reading the contract sites right, they've gotten out after this season if he doesn't perform and he's going to be 30 years old, which isn't old, but uh, you know, we've seen football players fall off and I've got them taking Nolan Smith because not only have they seen how they can be successful with a guy, a smaller pass rusher um, in Reddick, but in their same division, they see the success that Micah Parsons has had playing off the ball in college and then uh, transitioning to like full-time pass rush defensive end with Dallas. So I think that the Eagles are a smart organization. They're going to go with, you know, they're going to go with their learning experience and they're going to go with the fact this is a freak athlete. You might not have the production from Nolan Smith to go this high, but the Eagles are going to think that they can make it happen. So I've got Nolan Smith here at 10. Number 11, the Tennessee Titans. Um, Would you think that they would be interested in Anthony Richardson if he was still on the board like he is in our, in our scenario? Um, It's so tough to tell at this point. Um, I think, I think draft Knicks on the whole are overestimating the amount of risk or 
are maybe underestimating the amount of risk that goes into this pick with Richardson, but um, it does seem like Tennessee is a really good candidate to trade up for quarterback. But I think that uh, I agree with some of the other mocks that have Richardson uh, falling. And I think Peter King had him falling into the twenties. So Tennessee you know, Vrabel coming from the Belichick tree, I think this is too rich for his blood for a quarterback like and Richardson. All that, and all that being said, uh, I take Peter Skaronsky, so that's much more. Uh, that is Vrabel way Tennessee. more up his alley, I think. And you think about it, Rand Carthen, the only other name that would have made sense here for me with, with Rand Carthon, their new GM, who's, you know, a, a San Francisco disciple would be if they wanted to go with like a Lucas Van Ness. Now, um, Rand Carthon is Maurice Carthon's son, right? I believe so. And he's a former Giants player under, I think he played for Bill Parcells. So this goes way back. This is a big connection. Parcells, Belichick, Carthon, Carthon. Yeah, I think this is, I think there's a strategy here and I agree with your pick. So it's, you know, uh, you take Peter Skaronsky, you continue to like try to fix the offensive line and, and continue to have Derrick Henry be a bell cow and then see what happens. You, you've you got number 12 and you've got Houston doubling down, so to speak. Yeah. Um, I think so. Houston passed on quarterback at two. So why are they going to take a quarterback now at 12? Um I think Houston is kind of they've got DeMichael Ryan's here. Um play to his strengths, play defense, and I think they're gonna take Lucas Van Ness here. Uh this is their kind of closest facsimile that they can have in this draft to like a TJ or to a JJ Watt. Uh I don't think they're the same player, but I like the prospect of um Ryan's getting both Tyree Wilson and Lucas Van Ness. He he's got now two big defensive linemen with some inside outside versatility. It's not quite the same scenario as Eric Armstead and and uh Buckner in San Francisco, but it's a similar idea and you're not pressing for quarterback because you can completely tank this year and still be in the Caleb Williams and um and uh Drake May. Drake May, sorry. The Drake May sweepstakes. So if you're the Texans and you're a first-year head coach, you don't have to press the issue here. Just get the best players. The trade changed, well, nothing for me, uh, luckily. Uh, I was picking for the uh, Green Bay Packers uh, at 15. I think this was a dream scenario, and now I think it's what they desperately need uh, now that they have uh, no Aaron Rodgers to save them from their terrible, continued terrible uh, wide receiver play or or wide receiver corpse, I guess we should say, right? Um, Well, they got Christian Watson. He scored... Seven touchdowns in like three games, but yeah. So, like I said, uh, hopefully helps them out just a touch, and and we take Jackson Smith and Jigba here. You got Jordan Love coming in as a first year starter. Now that Aaron Rodgers has been traded, it's official. Um, it completely, Rob. You might have to bleep this. It completely f-ed us after we drafted thirty one players. But we circled back, we fixed it, and this still makes sense, right? I mean, Smith and Jigba is a good security blanket for Jordan Love, right? This gives him that underneath, that dump off. He could throw 150 passes to JSN, and it's going to still work. It would have worked if it was Aaron Rodgers. It works now. Um that takes us to 14, and this is another trade. New England's sitting here. They love to trade back. Baltimore 
needs a quarterback, and they've got kind of got a system in place for a guy like this, and the guy that they have the system in place for doesn't want to play for them anymore. So they're going to move up, and they're going to take Anthony Richardson at 14. Uh, I think the the fit is quite clear. I think they don't have to make many changes to what they do. I think they've already kind of got things designed. And now the question becomes, what happens with Lamar Jackson? That's something, I'll be honest, we've got a lot of picks left. We're not addressing tonight. We don't know. No. No, that's above our pay grade. Yeah. Uh, the Jets at 15. Yeah, the Jets are now at 15. Uh, you have Aaron Rodgers, so I guess you better figure out a way to protect him, right? Makai um, Becton has been okay. I guess that I think that would be the best way to put it. When he's healthy, well, he's, he's been, fine. Yeah, he's been uh, hurt. And, he's been trying to lose weight. He's a question so, mark. Yeah, so I uh, I go in and I, I I grab one of the more intriguing prospects and uh, Broderick Jones. And here's my reasoning: I take him over show favorite Darnell Wright. I don't think New York is going to take another chance on a massive guy <laughs> right away. They're going to have, you know, you you've got a guy. Uh, in in Broderick Jones, who's you know a a little more in the in the vein of the new style of of tackles at what six five, about three twelve or three fifteen, and the most athletic tackle in the draft, and so I think they're going to go with with Jones here. Yeah, I think I like your thinking there. Um, you know, Darnell Wright too being a right tackle. Um, Broderick Jones playing left tackle this year. I like the thinking there. It's one of those things where it's it's kind of like uh, George W. Bush said, fool me once, shame on me. A fool me, I can't get fooled again. Right. <laughs> uh, so we'll get to Washington at 16. I don't really know what to do with this. This could be a trade-up spot. Um, but one of the things is Washington clearly, like Ron Rivera, that he doesn't have any faith in uh, Gibson at running back. They've got Brian Robertson there, Brian Robinson there, um, who was a rookie last year, and he it, he was a good story because he got shot before the season and he came back and played, and then actually took carries away from Gibson, but. They don't really have uh, like a great running attack there or a great plan. And Rivera strikes me as a guy who would like to, you know, run the ball. They're, they're, it seems like they're going to go with Sam Howell. They've got a couple capable receivers with uh, McLaurin and Dotson. I think they could go tight end here. But with Bijan Robinson on the board, I think they're going like superstar running back. And uh, to me, this is a player you'd like to get. Like I, I'm a Bijan fan, right? But I just don't think he's on the Zeke, Jonathan Taylor, Barkley level. But here I'd be comfortable taking him at 16. I, I like this, Bijan. At 17, Detroit in the trade back has back-to-back picks now. And they probably would have taken Devon Witherspoon, but... Uh, they trade it back, so they take Deontay Banks, who uh, you you really love, right? I think he <laughs> – I'm going off the cuff. I think he's my cornerback four. But, yeah, I mean, he's a Big Ten guy. And um, just a – he's big. He's six foot, almost 200 pounds. Uh, not, just barely the one pass breakup, one interception per game. Just barely under that. He's like .9. He's a freak athlete. And uh, yes, indeed, my cornerback four. And I compared him to um, both LeJerry Sneed and Ronald Darby. So if you think about like that range of outcomes, th- those are both really effective NFL defenders. And you're getting him later in the draft. So like 
I I can see it's you know if if um, Detroit is kind of gun shy about taking a really athletic but maybe slightly stiff corner early because of Jeffrey Okuda, then that what that's why it makes sense for them to trade back and then get a guy like Banks because they don't have to pay. They're getting a, a they're going going to get a surplus of picks, and they're still going to get kind of like an athletically comparable player, and I like it. And now you've got the other Detroit pick that was acquired. That was that the uh, the Goff or the Stafford trade still? I think so, but oh no, that uh, was the that was the number six pick. That's right. Yeah, right. And they've traded back, so eighteen is actually their natural pick. And I've got to take a Michael Mayer here, um, subbing in for the the T.J. Hawkinson trade. Um, I know. D- from what I've researched, Detroit fans don't want this, or for some reason they they think that they don't want another tight end. But I still think this is a really good fit. Like Mayer is a is a great prospect. They took Hawkinson in the top ten. Mayer to me is a better prospect, and they're just getting him um, here at eighteen, and they don't have to give anything up for him. So I like this pick. Uh, it might not happen, but this is does this, this is the range where I think Michael Mayer is going to get picked. Tampa Bay is on the board at nineteen. They um, need a quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> I know, right. We don't uh, have any was, left. This was a tough one here. I ended up going Brian Branch. Um, I I really didn't know where to go other than the fact, like you said, they it feels like they need a quarterback, but like you said, there's not really one for them to take here. Um, yeah, it's, I don't even know. Uh, are, are you pretty sure that branch is going to be a first round pick Thursday or is there a pretty good chance that he goes day two? I have no idea what to think of branch. I don't know either because you've got like a nickel corner slash box safety type who runs like a four six. He's under two hundred. Like I don't I don't know what you do with him. He was really productive late in the season with Alabama, but I'm not sure. Uh, draft Knicks have had him in the first round all year. Um, this is really interesting. Could Tampa Bay go go with like a Jameer Gibbs here? You know, I thought about Gibbs. Um, is that too early for him? Well, that's, I mean, that's the thing is, do you take a, a nickel safety or do you take a, you know, a back when they have a guy in uh, Rashad White that they allegedly love? They so, allegedly love. <laughs> so... I don't know. Good, uh, good question. Uh, really good conversation. So we've got uh, Seattle at twenty, and earlier they took Will Anderson, right? And there's still a quarterback on the board that compares to the guy they just gave a contract to. So some a lot of people think Seattle's going quarterback. I don't think so. Um, I'm going to say Jordan Addison here to go with Tyler Lockett, to go with DK Metcalf. They really don't have much beyond that. And if you want to win, I've said this a million times, man. Pete Carroll is 72 or 73 years old. He's not messing around, right? You've got DK, you've got um, Lockett still locked in. Give Geno Smith another target. Jordan Addison, right here, ready to go, day one. Yeah, and it helps out uh, Geno, and like you said, Lockett is getting up there in age. It just it just creates a great situation. Twenty one. I was going to take Jordan Addison, but you took him, so I went with. Um, 
I went with the next guy, Zay Flowers, um, you know, to the Chargers. And, and I think Flowers actually fits nicely with what they need when you look at what they have, which is a lot of injured guys. <laughs> well, if you just if you're just talking numbers, then yeah, like uh, everybody on, in the receiving core is hurt, so we need more players. But I I get this. I think uh, Zay Flowers is for for NFL teams. I think he's going to be a top three receiver on most teams. And if the if uh, JSN and Addison are gone, I get this. Um, what do you think about Quentin Johnson, though? Do you think they – couldn't they see him as kind of like a Mike Williams or Jalen Guyton type of guy? I mean, that seems yeah, to be – Yeah, and that's why I was trying to look at something different for them with with the fact that they have a lot of big-body guys already. Um, so They was- extended Mike Williams last year, but it was a short deal. And um, Guyton, I think, is – I, I would have to look it up, but I don't think he's locked up for long term. But um, could you see them going Quentin here? Uh, I I don't see it, but you don't you never know with these things. I would I think they I think they want to take Addison if he's there, and he's gone because I took him. So screw you. Chargers. <laughs> That's right. All right. So now we're at New England, who traded back with Baltimore. And this actually worked out really well for them because I've got them taking Darnell Wright. Um, New England likes big, like big body uh, offensive linemen. And I think it's almost a bonus that they get a big body offensive lineman that's actually athletic, too. And, um, if they had stayed put at 14 in this draft, this is the guy I would take taken. So um, Darnell Wright to New England. Uh, he's got some positional versatility, and he's got the size and everything that they want. And the only question, I think, would be some vague rumblings that we have off the field stuff, which I don't even know what to make of. So I've got Wright here. You are next on the clock at 23 with Minnesota. And I'm going to just believe all the reports because I like the chaos and, and you're aware of that. <laughs> and so I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Hendon Hooker here and, and let the chaos reign supreme. I mean, why not take a guy that's going to be 26 <laughs> or 27 before he takes the field first? And it, it just, it makes too much sense to me. <laughs> I don't. I really do not think that uh, this is going to be a pick based on their GM's background coming from the the uh, front office tree that he's come from. But <laughs> this would be great. Uh, you got Kirk Cousins and you got a twenty five year old rookie with a torn ACL. Why not? Jacksonville is up next at twenty four. Miles Murphy surprisingly i guess hasn't been picked at this point so i like this fit they need a pass rusher they've been trying to find it um through different coaching regimes uh calavion chasen was the last one they really swung for the fence for that was a bad pick but murphy here at 24 is a good pick it's a really good pick yeah, I feel like it's a good chance to hit, you know, like you said, they got Josh Allen. They just took Trayvon Walker, but, like, they moved Allen to kind of an off-the-ball type of guy, so get more bodies in that rotation. And I'll tell you this. I, I was I was going back and forth on this pick because the other option I had here was Keely Ringo because uh, they got Tyson Campbell out of Georgia. The profile between uh, Campbell and Ringo is is kind of similar and they made it work. But here I thought the position value of the pass rusher, Miles Murphy, I don't think Jacksonville is expecting him to still be on the board at 24. They're going to jump on that over Ringo, I think. 25, the New York Giants. There's too much smoke 
for the last couple of weeks that they're interested in them. Um, and, and so John Michael Schmitz, the center out of Minnesota, which is, it feels a little rich, but I mean, I think, you know, these guys, that's where, um, who's the guy with the, with the Cowboys, uh, Travis Frederick, he went in this range and, you know, everybody lamented the pick and, you know, being like a multi-time all pro. So I think of Cole Strange last year too. When right. this area to New England, 24-year-old guy, center slash guard, you know, at, at some point, teams are just looking for, to solidify pit uh, positions and not have to worry about it. So our, we have our philosophy, which says, you know, this guy might be too old to take this high, but we're not paying them millions of dollars. So the next pick is Dallas. Speaking of old guys, right, Seth? Dallas could always use another pass rusher, right? Will McDonald, the fourth, going to Dallas at 26. From what I gather from Cowboys Twitter, they'd be happy with this. Even though he's an older guy, undersized guy. But Dallas clearly knows how to maximize an undersized pass rusher because they turned Micah Parsons into from an off-the-ball linebacker where he was at Penn State back into a pass rusher, which he was in high school. So if there's one team that can make this work, it's it's the Cowboys, right? Yeah, and, you know, they need – uh, they need to continue to, you know, stock that defense up. Their offense is good. You know, a, a name that's been intriguing here that we're not as high on, but I wanted to float was Dalton Kincaid. What would you think if they took Kincaid here? Well, I don't, I, I really don't understand why Dallas would need to take a tight end in the first round when they've got Jake Ferguson. And Peyton Hendershot, who played really well as rookies this past year, uh, to me, it's they they've done a really good job of developing tight ends as an organization. So why go like that high on the hog to draft a tight end when you could just continue to develop these guys that you've done a good job? Developing, and they've also got uh, Sean McCune, who came out of Michigan. So I, I don't understand why they would have. There's no way I, if I'm Dallas that I'm drafting a tight end that early. You just have other needs to fill, and you've done a great job developing tight ends. Just keep, keep on keeping on with what you guys got. Uh, Buffalo's on the clock, and. I thought about Jameer Gibbs. I thought about a couple of players, but in the end, they lost a lot on defense, and, and I took a guy that you and I both love, Drew Sanders. Yeah, I like that you did not pick a running back because I feel like the Buffalo brass already feels like they've invested on running backs. They took uh, James Cook just uh, last year in the second round. And, you know, Josh Allen gives you so much as a runner. They've they've, um, used Isaiah McKenzie in gadget roles. They don't strike me as a team that needs to have, like, a high-value, high-octane running back. So, I like Drew Sanders is one of my favorite players in the the entire draft. And when you picked him, (laughs) um, I really like this. I like this fit. I like the fit because um, they've lost guys. They've lost linebackers in free agency. And Sanders is a guy we've talked about on our show that can play, that can rush the passer and can um, play off the ball effectively. He can do it all. So this is a, a, I love that you picked a sleeper first rounder that a lot of big draft has going in the second round. Um, by by the way, if if people want to know some of my picks, uh, it's because I cheat and uh, we have 
you know, as part of the SB Nation group of sites, uh, we do our manager mock draft. And, and so sometimes I just copy what the guys there did because, you know, they know their teams way more than I do. So <laughs> Rob, <laughs> delete that part. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, yeah. Credit where credit's due. You've got right. a good crew. Well, and that's the thing is when you look at it, like, yeah, we know that they could use a linebacker, but like Drew Sanders, like you said, like that's, is he going to be the only off ball linebacker draft in the first round? And, and we, according to us, he will yeah. spoiler because we only have a few picks left. Next pick is Cincinnati and Cincinnati would love to have Broderick Johnson, but after the, Aaron Rodgers trade, Broderick Johnson is going Bro- way Broderick, Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones, sorry. Broderick Jones is going way earlier than uh Cincinnati's picking. Um so what I was the Johnson I was thinking it was Dewan Johnson, right? From, I think it's no Dewan Jones too. Oh god. <laughs> okay, so that th- there's another one, Dewan Jones, but this is too rich for Cincinnati's blood because there's a really good corner still on the board, and that is Emmanuel Forbes. Emmanuel Forbes out of Mississippi State. I think the Bengals have no problem with his weight. I think they're going to. Um, I think they're going to going to jump on this. Um, Emmanuel Forbes is going to go in the first round. And it's going to surprise some people because he it, weighed 166 pounds. If I've told you this, if the Cardinals move back and get Paris Johnson, or if they stay and get Will Anderson or Tyree Wilson, I hope Forbes makes it to 34 because I think he would be like a great pick there uh, for the Cardinals in the in the second round. Like you said, I don't know if he gets there though. I don't think he does. I, I mean, I really think that he goes within these last four picks of the first round because any of these, any of the last four picks, 28 through 31, could take Emmanuel Forbes and be completely justified by it. And there's one other cornerback here in the mix <clears throat> that we'll get to, but. The cornerback class is universally thought of as being very strong in this class, right? And so we've already had Witherspoon go off the board. We've already had uh, Gonzalez go off the board. And we've already had Deontay Banks go off the board, maybe higher than people think. But I think that's also realistic. So now you have two or maybe even three other cornerbacks that people are thinking about that haven't been picked, Cincy needs, Cincy has a need at this position. This is a ball hawk, the best ball hawk in the draft. I mean, you and I both had Forbes cornerback too, right? Correct. So I like Cincy making this pick. They are pragmatic. Their drafting has been really good lately. I hate to say it as a fan of an uh, opposing AFC North team, but they're, they've been very pragmatic. A guy who has 14 career picks, six career pick sixes in the SEC, this feels like a Cincinnati pick, especially if Broderick Jones is off the board. And Cincy probably feels like, yeah, like you said, they could get DeWan Jones maybe later in, maybe in the second round. So, um you had New Orleans at 29. You went back and forth on this, but it was the same position. Yeah, I ended up going with uh, Brian Breesey, the Clemson defensive lineman. I could not decide whether it was going to be Breesey or, or Pitt interior defensive lineman, Kalijah Cansey. Um, in the end, I went with a guy that's just a little bit bigger and, and I think has – the ability to be a more every down type of player. He Breesy seems like I know Sean Payton's not there anymore, but uh Breesy seems like the type of big body defensive lineman who could I know he's got shorter arms, but he's tall. 
fairly lean for a 300 pounder. Seems like the type of guy like a Will Smith, like a, like a Cam Jordan, right? Type of player that doesn't have to be pigeonholed at one, one spot. Whereas Cansey, I don't think we can point to a guy from New Orleans that's been that size, right? Right. So we go on to Philly at 30, and the guy I alluded to, the other corner, I've got Joey Porter Jr. here. And I could easily see uh, Joey Porter Jr. and Forbes being flip-flopped in this mock, right? Could you see that? Yeah, I could see that. Where Porter goes to Cincy, or you know, and and then Forbes goes to Philly. Yeah, and it's just a matter of you know what what teams are looking for in terms of corner. Uh, JPJ is just a little bit different of corner, and I actually think you know he would fit. And again, they're running a different defense and it's Desai now, but I think he would fit better. He's you know we said. One of his comps is similar to like a James Bradbury, right? Yeah, I mean, and even um, kind of just his build, it's even similar to um, like a Sherman, right? I mean, but you you don't want to make that comp because it's it's too high level. But um, the other one I had was AJ Terrell, right? A little bit shorter. And then, but to me, Forbes, the comps for Forbes are better. That's why I liked, uh, even though he's slim, I like the Dominique Rogers Cromartie comp better for him. And that's why I have him going ahead of Porter. But it's a, it, it, it could go either way. So I really like the way this falls because. Both Cincy and Philly would love either one of these guys, I think. And we end it with the reigning Super Bowl champs. And again, another thing I went back and forth on, but uh, before, well, go ahead. I want to give you your pick. Tell tell us your pick, and then I'll ask my question. Yeah. So I went back and forth on this one. I ended up going with Quentin Johnston because, you know, again, I think. Patrick Mahomes is fairly wide receiver proof, uh, but they do need high-end bodies there. Um, I'm not saying he's the most high-end guy in the world, but I think he does offer them, um, he would he would offer them something there that, that they don't have, right? Uh, you know, um, and even if he just... They re-signed Justin Watson. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I was going to say, even if he just replaces like uh, uh, Juju, right? You got to think that he's a, he can at least give you at least what Juju was, if not, if not more, right? Well, yeah, I, I mean, but um, I just, to me, Quentin Johnston, I don't know. I think, do you think our Chiefs friends would be good with that pick? I think they were one of the, that was one of the teams or one of the uh, players that they've said that they're okay with. Because right now you have, we only have two receivers off the board, right? Or we have three. Do we have three? Uh, We had, yeah, three. We had, uh, Smith and Jigba, Jordan Addison, and Zay Flowers. And Zay Flowers. Okay, so I I think in that context, we don't we're not really losing anybody. But if you're you know if you're looking for a deep threat, why not Hyatt? Why not Mims? Um, if you're looking for a slot, why not Downs? So I think there's a lot of uh, players in in this discussion. And I don't know what, um, I just don't know what Mahomes does that makes Quentin Johnston like your best pick, right? Uh, to me, it would be 
better to have a guy who shows a lot of, you know, who freelances better in the scramble drill and things like that. And I'm not sure which guy. So uh, I get where you're coming from here, but it's, and, and also I know, like you said, our, our, some of our good friends that are Chiefs fans would love this, but to me, I'm not sure this is the fit. So we'll see. Um, he's a good player. Johnston's a good player. I, I know it sounds like I'm being hard on him. Um, Seth, you had the pick at 36 for the Rams. Yeah, I had the Rams pick and again another thing I went back and forth on, but I ended up going with Kalaja Kansi here. I like it. I like it just because they made it work with Aaron Donald and you kinda have this same it's you know, you got this Aaron Donald light. Right, and that's the hope I think that they go into this with, right? There's literally no other comp that you can. It's you're you're absolutely hoping for Aaron Donald Light. I actually like that you and I did not take him in our first round because there was a great temptation there and we didn't do it. So it works out at 36. Now, I had 51. Miami <clears throat> does not have a first round pick. I took Matthew Bergeron the uh, offensive tackle from Syracuse. And it's just, this is a need-based pick. Um, I think Miami needs offensive line. Bergeron's a player who's got some versatility. He could be a swing tackle. He can slide in at guard if you need him. And uh, the Dolphins just simply need an offensive lineman. Um I also took uh, the next two picks, Denver and Cleveland. So I'll just go on to to uh, the Broncos. I've got them taking uh, Tyreek Stevenson. Simply, they need they have a need at corner. Stevenson's a player I have that will be available in the range when they're picking at sixty seven, and um, I think that's a fit right there. And then Cleveland is not picking until 74. And they absolutely have a, a need on defensive line, but also everywhere else. So what? where do you go with them? If you don't have a great three-tech there, which I don't think is going to be available at, at, at 74, but a player I do think is going to be available is a guy hyped on our Patreon show last week, Seth. One of the defensive ends that's being undervalued, that is Isaiah McGuire from uh, from Mizzou. He is, to me, one of the ideal picks for Cleveland at seventy four because, uh, you know, they're sitting there, they don't have, they're not doing anything for almost two days, and this is a guy who has. Some pass rush ability. He's got good size, speed, explosiveness. I really like him. So you're on the clock at 99 with the Niners. Yep, and that's the last pick, and it's nearly impossible, but I went with athleticism and upside. He's a little older, but outside of that. Bryce Young, right? Yeah, right, exactly. I went with uh, I went with Blake Blake Freeland out of uh, BYU because I, I really think, I really like that pick. I think it just kind of fits with their what they do and, and develop. And I didn't know, and honestly, I didn't know who to take in terms of uh, edge rushers or like lineman type, or not lineman type, but defensive lineman type because they're all. All the good ones are gone by that that right. point, right? Exactly. <laughs> so, Freeland might be gone, but the idea is really good. Right, he might be. You're exactly right. So, um, anything else before we get out of here? No, thanks for listening. This is uh, our mock draft is 
one of the most fun times we have. So, you know, uh, hopefully nothing screws us up before between the time we publish it and the time uh, or between the time we record it and the time we publish it. So thank you all. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Thursday. If you're a patron, you'll be able to hear our, uh, our response to the 20, uh, 23 NFL first yeah, round. The most intelligent and uh, measured response to anything. I think online. Yep, exactly. It'll definitely be that. (laughs) All right, guys. Thanks for listening. As always, we'll be back later this week with another episode. Have a good night. Good night, everyone. We need to do an outro at some point. Just something kind of... What I hear in other shows is where they're like, uh, you know, uh, subscribe and give us a five-star review. Sign up for our Patreon. It's $2 a month for our bonus episodes, $4 a month for all additional content. Something like that. Yeah, we should work on something like that. That could be it right there. A read, yeah. That's it. Exactly.